The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay, well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix too. 52. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Davin Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sounds fan. And Savory David McGraw. Savory never sweet. Ooh. Savory and savory. Actually, I've, I've been on a real sweet kick lately, so that's not true. You are yeah, really he sweet. Is, he is a sweet boy. <laughs> trying to be a sweetie all right this week we're gonna break down the point guard position for the suns and you know what that's all we're gonna do so let's get into it follow us on twitter at sunny and phx pod same thing for instagram go on itunes leave us a five-star review and a comment and you will get a shout out on the show all right so this week we will start with the point guard position we've covered all four of the others check back to the last four episodes to hear what we had to say about those guys but we're gonna start things off we were complaining all last year that we needed a true point guard on the roster we were throwing rookies out there these guys didn't really deserve those pro minutes let alone to start games but we got through it and this year we signed a free agent ricky rubio we're all excited about it Mitch uh, uses the customary greeting every time we start the show now, so we're all happy about it. Rubio is awesome. I've liked him for a long time. He's not the best point guard ever, but in comparison to previous Suns point guards, he's probably the best we've had since Dragic. Maybe. You, you can't you can't throw shade at Bledsoe. Bledsoe did some good stuff here and had some really good numbers. Yeah, you, I, I mean we can't throw shade at him because he sucks, but <laughs> he was yeah. a point guard. He was, but Rubio's good. Uh, I have his numbers here. Last season, he averaged twelve point seven points per game, three point six rebounds per game, six point one assists per game, which is down. For his career average, which is kind of nice to know. He shot 40.4% from the field, including 31.1% from three, but his career three-point percentage is 32.2%. And I want to talk about that for like two seconds, because everyone says that Rubio is like this horrible three-point shooter. 32.2% over your career is not great, but... It's not as horrible as everyone says it is. No, you can't leave Ricky Rubio wide open. You you have to go contest the shot. You you have to uh, come over the screens once in a while because he can burn you on it. It's not like he's a terrible shooter. I agree with that. Well, I would I would say that he's not a good. Not even, I mean he's not really average that much either he's had two outlier years pretty much where he shot 34 and 35 which was his rookie year and then the year with coco as an assistant coach so i i don't want to say that he's good you probably statistically you can leave him open but I, well i didn't I say know. he was good he's not good at three point okay. shooting, but he's not terrible People make it seem like he shoots in the teens. No. He shoots 32.2% for his career. But, like, in the 20% is terrible. Like, Marcus Smart and Russell Westbrook shoot 27 to 29%, and that's terrible. Right. So, I mean, like, he has shot like that. He shot 25%. He shot 29%. Like, he shot 30. Like, 30's not... 30 you wouldn't consider terrible, but those other two you would he's like, slightly below average like if if this were a school grading system ricky rubio would be a c minus three-point shooter slightly below average 
And 1% worse than Devin Booker last year. Right. Which, and that's kind of sad, but... <laughs> and, and Devin Booker had not a very good three-point shooting season last year, and not good at all, really. So... But that's this is all kind of besides the point. He's not as bad as people say he is. He is a great passer, though. One of the best passers in the league, for sure. And that is something that we have missed quite a bit, because last season we couldn't even throw an entry pass to seven foot one DeAndre Ayton. So that's like basic stuff that Rubio is... That's just a given that he can do. So it's going to be exciting to see the more creative stuff that he'll be able to do with Aiton and Booker. Here's a question that you can, uh, you know, it, it, it's not anything definitive, but it's fun to think about. Who's going to benefit more from Ricky Rubio next year, Devin Booker or DeAndre Aiton? It's a good question. I think, it, I think I'm going to say Aiton just because he he'll be running in the pick and roll a lot more than Booker and I know the the option to kick out to Booker will be there in that but that's kind of a second option so just because of the frequency of the pick and roll that we'll see with Aiton and Rubio I think he'll benefit also because last season he just did not have a very good experience with that kind of thing I think Aiton will benefit quite a bit more Booker will still benefit though I think that from a load perspective, uh, it'll be nice for Booker, but it'll probably be a lot better for Aiton having someone that can actually pass him the ball. Booker was our best person at entry passes, but he still wasn't very good at that last year. He was good at he was good at passing, but then there was just really basic stuff that he really needed to work on, and I think that having a guy like Rubio benefits Aiton the most because you need to be able to get a guy like Aiton the ball on the block or as you know pick and roll is going and that and just gives Aiton a more of an opportunity to score or play make than when it was Melton or Isaiah Kanan who uh, had issues with that assuming that a Rubio Aiton pick and roll or just point to post connection really forms have we seen peak Devin Booker when it comes to scoring do we think Aiden's gonna step up enough to uh demand the ball a little more in situations like that have has is Booker gonna ever get up to 30 points per game with a with a true big that can actually score do we see that happening well, I hope so. I don't want to say that's going to happen next year because Aiton still has quite a bit to work on, but maybe the year after. I don't think Booker has reached his scoring peak because he has been forced into a lot of situations that aren't very helpful for his game. I, I think it's safe to say that Devin Booker is more of a spot-up shooter than a facilitator. He can facilitate, and he, he's shown that he's, he's able to learn those kind of things. But he's definitely more like Clay Thompson than Steph Kurt. Uh, he's right. more like Manu or James Harden than either of those. Than Clay but Thompson I'm saying if you're going to talk about facilitator versus spot-up shooter. He's definitely way more of a spot-up shooter than a facilitator. I mean, I guess, I don't think we're going to see a giant jump or anything from Booker. I don't think we're going to see, like, these crazy jumps. And really, 30-point-per-game scores are rare. You have one a season, normally. And normally, like, your, like your scoring average leader is... It always feels like it's more in, like, that 28, 29 anyways. So, I don't think that... I'm. Booker can score 30, but I think it's better if he doesn't. Uh, it feels like if he's not having to have these games where he scores 50 points and then we lose, we're, it's normally better off. 
Uh, Yeah. Maybe maybe that sounds uh, pessimistic or like I think that Booker shouldn't be scoring as much, but like when he isn't the only one working out there, we're better, and it's just it's better for basketball. I think that if he if he bumps up a little bit in a few years and is at 27 or 28 points per game, I that wouldn't surprise me. I think that's absolutely doable. I don't think he needs to be 37 points a game or whatever James Harden was this last year. Like that's just that's not necessary. That is not something that uh he needs to do for this team to be successful. Yeah, and that's really the point that I was trying to get at there that with the addition of Rubio and all the other additions too, but just getting a true point guard in there, it seems like the rest of the team has more room to grow now while Booker can, you know, obviously he's going to become a better and better player each year. Points per game is an entirely different thing, but not having to worry about having to score 35 or 40 in any given game day just to get your team maybe in contention for a win I think that's what's all going to happen now that we have Rubio I just think that everything's going to fit together a little more Booker can take a bit of a step back and just knowing that he doesn't have to do everything now I just think it's going to be great and that's what a good point guard should do for your team make it easier for everybody yeah if even if we're garbage this year, if Rubio is able to go in there and hold the fort down, be a point guard, and let the other guys grow, I, that's a win. Because that's all so we far, can hope for at this point. <laughs> so far, all we've had is Booker just being given the ball, and he's able to do whatever, and everyone else is suffering because there's no one out there to help them, and there's really... They're not able to get better. They aren't guys that can just get better on their own necessarily by just like like not to say that Booker can get better on his own but they just they're not there if maybe there's a guy that can coach them that is running the floor with them all the time maybe uh guys aren't as down or maybe we're able to have a little bit more successes with some lower end guys and that's not me saying that Chris or Bender or Josh were our guys that could have like been successes. I think there were a whole bunch of other issues with those guys, but I mean, having a point guard that can consistently work with them is would have been a bonus. Yeah, well, that makes me think of Mikhail Bridges. He's a guy that especially early in his career wasn't going to be out there getting his own shots, getting it done. And he never was able to really form that chemistry with anyone other than book as it, as it, who's going to pass to him. So I really like how that will be able to grow. And you know, every literally everybody on the team, that's going to be nice for them. That's going to help everybody's development. Yeah. And I was specifically thinking of a guy like Mikel, like Mikel's great. He's got a good work ethic. He is from a winning uh, college program. He wants to be successful, but if you just take his numbers from last year and take take away like the personality that we think that Mikel has and that he will want to work better, like those numbers could dip easily if nothing changed and we had no point guard. Like and that could be exactly what happens what happened to other draft picks in the past where there's just not someone there to help them grow and so they just stagnate and are never able to grow. Yeah, I expect Mikel's numbers to go way up, actually. Well, not way up, but to improve because of Rubio. He's going to get way better looks this year. And even Ubre, I'm excited for that connection that'll be made, too. Yeah, It's just nice to think about how we don't have to have guys do too much anymore. You know, I remember games last season where it was like all on Ubre to make the play. And right. we're not going to have that anymore. And it was really frustrating to watch. But, like, we. That just kind of goes away because we're going to be able to share the ball a lot better. And 
Booker, if you're listening, uh, we're not trying to discourage you from scoring 50 or 60 in a game. 70. We, 80, we love that stuff. 82. Rubio will be piling up the assists yeah. if and when that happens. I'm so excited for fun. Booker's 80 or 83 point. Let's say 83. <laughs> 83 point game when Rubio has 40 assists. Oh boy, that's gonna be nice. <laughs> All right, so that's a good talk on Rubio. Obviously, all excited for him. And then the spot after Rubio will be interesting because we'll see some point book. Uh, you guys talked about Tyler Johnson last week a little bit, but we'll be seeing him too run a little point, I assume. But let's talk about the rookie, Ty Jerome, Milk. Milk. Um, I love that. Still love it. <laughs> it's so weird. It's does pretty he, funny. Does he actually like it? It seems like it. If he likes it, I'm, I'm on it. You know. It's just such a well, funny story how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great video. Okay, but back to it. Ty Jerome. I think we're all excited to see this guy play this year too. Uh, disappointed that we didn't get to see him at Summer League because I personally think he would have torn it up there. But here's a guy coming in on a rookie deal to the Suns where he's not forced to play big minutes right away. And that's a beautiful thing, especially for a point guard who gets to sit back and watch it all happen a little bit before he gets thrust in there. So I have high hopes for Jerome, but I'm really not setting any expectations for this year, especially because we've never seen him in a son's uni. We don't know what our rotation is even really going to look like, but I think he has a very good chance to get some minutes at this point though. Yeah, I think so. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'll just get it out of the way now though. It's very nice that we are not looking at a guy like Ty Jerome as the starter this season, because for the past few years we have been in that position. So it's really nice to not have that. But, yeah, I would expect him to to get decent minutes this season, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have any expectations from him. I just want him to go in and do whatever he can and just try to play loose, I guess. So I am – I'm very curious – with how this plays out. I, I could see Ty Jerome getting zero minutes very early on or getting a lot. I feel like it really depends on how Tyler Johnson fits in and how much point book there is. Um, I would think of Tyler Johnson as our primary, primary backup two and, you know, some run there. I could see him with like Devin Booker as our primary backup one because I I don't like point point book isn't going away uh that's just not happening how the NBA is right now that's not happening so I'm interested to see how that all shakes out but I would like to see Ty Jerome get some good play time I think that he can be very complimentary to a lot of different play styles Uh, he can be complimentary to a point book. He can be complimentary to Rubio. He can be complimentary to a uh, a more uh, rigid like spot up shooters around him with a big guy out there. I could he can kind of because he can pass because he is a shooter. I think he can obviously fit in anywhere. And so it'll be interesting to see, and I would not be surprised at all to see him, and not surprised, but also would really like to see him get run early on and see how he can do. And, but I don't, I don't want these expectations because I'm tired of having expectations for guys that are picked not early on or in the lottery and then getting burned very quickly, and you know, it's it sucks. So. I don't want to have expectations. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see what he can do. I want to see him play alongside our guys, but I'm not. I, I'm not gonna like bet on what he's gonna do or how much time he's gonna be and how he might be like our next point guard as soon as like Rubio is gone in a year and a half. Just being pessimistic. Like, 
I don't want to do that kind of stuff right now. <laughs> yeah, and see, I don't. I haven't even been thinking about those things with Jerome. Like, I guess when I do, I don't really look at him as our point guard of the future or anything. I see him as like, at best, a pretty solid backup. That's I fair. That. Yeah, I mean, a role player on a on a good team. I can see that. Yeah. Hey, role players start sometimes. I mean, it happens, but sure. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like maybe he can be a little not what was it the like Malkin Brogdon comp, but it's a really bad comp in general. But uh, like wingspans are just completely off and all this other stuff. But like if he's a guy that can go out there and start like half the season and be a just a smart player like it's great and that's what we need and it's that's the kind of things that you need when you're trying to get make that next step it's just uh it's hard to bet on anything (laughs) when it comes to the suns yeah oh yeah it's absolutely a rough bet there but you get good (laughs) odds when you make those bets two months from now this conversation will probably be very different (laughs) oh yeah Ty Jerome will have had one good game and we'll be like yeah and then he'll have like a 20 game are we good who's the next Steve Nash I remember having an are are we nearly an average basketball team I think that was the title of one of our episodes from last year after a four game win streak yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember saying we're an average well I remember David saying we're an average point guard away from being an average team hey and we then, never got that average that, point guard that, yeah <laughs> that and a lot, of, a lot of other things happen <laughs> but now we have that average point guard so does Watch it carry out. over does it now carry we get over to, see. to this year now we get to see um yeah uh maybe no I'm, I don't think it does uh because if I say yes and we're garbage, then I'll be like, oh, remember that. But if I say no <laughs> and that it was a different team, then it can still be like, well, we never got that average point guard, so I could have been right. Fair uh, enough, fair enough. Um, You know, I did see a scrimmage video with Jerome in it, and obviously this is an open gym, and most guys that you watch in the NBA can, can shoot the three pretty well, but... He looked really smooth. That that release is lightning quick. It reminds me, just the release, nothing else. I'm not comparing anything else, but his release looks a little bit like Steve Nash's. He's the next Steve it. Nash. Whoa. He's the next Steve Nash. <laughs> We're going to trade him to 13. Dallas, and then we'll get to sign him back, and he'll get to Bring MVPs. Perfect. I'm in. We're all in. Everybody's all in. Putting it all down on the purple for the Suns. Okay. <laughs> Bet on all the. Right. What are the odds on Ty Jerome like twenty thirty uh, MVP? Can we can we bet on that right now? I don't know. You probably can. We we need to get one of those. Uh, we need to get one of those prop bet uh, odds makers. To, yeah, to sponsor us again. What? Where's Bovada? Yeah. You, you might have to cut that out. <laughs> this is gonna be good. <laughs> Shout All right, out to so. previous sponsor Bovada. <laughs> All right, so we got even more point guards to talk about. We've we've hit on Rubio and Jerome. We're gonna keep it moving, and then that leads us to Elio Kobo. And we we watched him play last season. He got quite a bit of run with the Suns. We saw him play in Summer League, and then now some recent news came out that he was actually, I'm not sure if it's cut or he just didn't make it, but he couldn't make the French FIBA team uh, as their third guard. He He wasn't good enough to make that spot. So if you can't be the third best guard in France, do you deserve a spot on the Phoenix Suns? Yes. Because we're the Suns. No, no, the answer is no. Because we needed anything for a point guard, so <laughs> yeah. even the fourth best guard for France would be okay. Okay, uh, well, so Akobo last season in 53 games averaged 5.7 points per game, 1.8 rebounds, 
2.4 assists. He shot 39.3% from the floor and 29.5% from three. Not great. Pretty rough numbers. And some of those are inflated because he played a lot more than we expected. He's he's definitely more suited for the G League. And it's just sad. He, he didn't really look very good in Summer League. No, he didn't. But correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like when he did play for the G League team last year, it seems like he played a few games with them. He just absolutely tore it up. And there's this, there's this, like, it's a, like a characteristic of some players where they can go down to the G League and absolutely tear it up and dominate. But then they get up into the NBA and they're absolutely nothing. It seems like there's just a weird void of talent there that that I don't know much about. I don't know. The G League is such a weird organization. It's still, it's still very new. You know, minor league basketball has not been around for very long. And I, I feel like it's still an experiment, really. There's a lot of stuff that is uh, still kind of changing and getting figured out. And I think that's what happens sometimes is these guys can go down and, you know, like G League still has open tryouts for the public. And not a whole lot of people make the team, but every once in a while you get people. But I think that's just kind of telling of where the G League is at. Like, if you can still try out, like, uh, in in baseball, in minor league baseball, you don't really just try out to make a minor league team. Like, baseball hasn't figured out, but that's been around for a long time. It's a tried and true system. And basketball is still kind of working on getting to that point. It'll probably never get to where baseball is, but it's just a very weird system. Yeah. uh, I think the dream is to have something like baseball, have a development league, have other paths, but it is such a strange thing, and they're trying to push it. There's been the rebrand with the giant uh, Gatorade sponsorship and everything. They try to do different things with the uniforms and have all these different styles and really make people want to be interested. And it's all right. It's not bad. I just, it's got so, it's just got to, it's got to have so much money kind of just poured into it and so much work for it to ever get there. And also just time. Like, it, it's so it is weird right now there are just guys that are in there that you have no idea why they're on a g league team because they'll never make it but or it seems like they'll never make it into the like pros and why aren't they just playing in europe or something i don't know it's it's very strange kind of the setup and some of the people names you hear and all this kind of stuff it's it's very similar to going to summer league but having none of the draft picks play (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of explaining it. It's like year-round summer league, but the last like four days of it, when you you have no idea who anybody is, but they're playing big minutes, and yeah, uh, <laughs> I was gonna make a comment about how everybody else feels towards the end of summer league and how run down and rough everybody's feeling. It's just like the the cycle of a G league season. Yeah. But I want to get back to Okobo. Obviously we could make some goofs about this for a while, but I feel like it's a confidence thing when he got put down there, you know, he was playing with the NBA squad. He, he was ready to go down there and dominate. And then there's guys like Bender. If you were to send him down there right now, he, he wouldn't dominate. I think it's a, a lot of it just has to do with the personality, but Okobo really could never get it going on the court in the NBA last year is the thing. And it, it looks like he hasn't improved a lot over the off season. So it puts him in a pretty interesting spot. Uh, You know, and when we traded Melton, uh, I was hoping we would have been able to keep him over a Kobo, but I imagine there weren't many takers on the Kobo line. So 
That's kind of unfortunate. And I mean, we've said this from day one. Akobo is a huge project. He was taken in the second round, maybe a little bit higher than necessary, but he was just some th- someone that we kind of took a risk on. He's played one season. Who knows? Maybe he'll improve a little bit. But he's a big project that got thru- he got thrust into a role that he probably never, never should have been in. No, yeah. and he wasn't even a true point guard coming into the NBA. He had never been right. a point guard. And then <laughs> you're going to start some games for the Phoenix Suns at point guard this year. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, when he was playing overseas, he was a two guard and was starting to transition to a point guard. And, I mean, he had some really good games over there and all that, but it's a completely different, it's a completely different thing. He was a project. I think that... We everyone needs to remember that he was a project and that he should not be given up on necessarily. Like, no, we didn't even want to play him last year, like at all. No, that was not the plan, and he just got thrown in. I mean, James Jones said I feel like on multiple occasions that the plan was always to try and develop him. Not he was a project. It wasn't to like throw him and give him minutes immediately and. Obviously, right. as ho- the homers that we were, we hyped it, hyped it up, wanted him to start, like, all this other stuff. Saw uh, some of the highlights, and we're all in, but, like, that wasn't the, that's not what should have happened. Yeah, I think I have a good example of what a Kobo's like. You know how when you're playing high school football, sometimes there's a soccer player that's like really really good that comes in to kick field goals and maybe you've got two field goal kickers for a while and one of them is just a soccer player that can just boot it and so every once in a while you're going to be in that weird situation where you need to kick like a 50 yard field goal and you bring the soccer player in to just try and he doesn't make very many but like every once in a while he's going to nail one and it's going to be awesome like most of the time it doesn't work very well though and maybe he doesn't play at all I feel like that's what a Kobo's like. Yeah, it's it's just all interesting because he's a guy that you you can get hyped up for because sometimes he looks really smooth and he looks like a guy that oh I could see him running an offense and just being the main guy pick and roll ball handler and I want to see that but not yet and it just puts. It puts everything, it makes it interesting now, and we'll just move on and talk about the guy who was drafted one pick after Ellie, Javon Carter, who we traded for this offseason. So now these two are competing for a spot at the end of the roster, and I don't know about you guys, but I have no idea who's going to win that battle. Now, let me throw out some numbers here, because in my head, I always think, oh, Carter is far better than Akobo. Last season, Javon Carter, in his 39 games played, averaged 4.4 points per game, 1.7 rebounds per game, and 1.8 assists per game on 30.3% shooting from the floor and 33.3% from three. Those are all worse than Akobo. The only thing that's better except for is three point, point shooting, right? But thirty point three percent from the floor—that's bad. Even if he's great at defense, and that's it, still oh, not his good. defensive numbers. Let me get you those because I said, oh well, he's really good at defense. Last season, he averaged point seven steals and point three blocks per game. Well, that does—I mean, that doesn't tell the whole story. There's it doesn't. It doesn't tell the whole story. Stuff. It definitely doesn't but I am underwhelmed. Uh, let's, I'm, I'm going to look up some of the like advanced stats or whatever. Oh, I thought you didn't like find. those. I you personally know, I'm tired them. of this whole like, nonsense. <laughs> we, we haven't had this argument in a really long time. Uh, 0.7 defensive win, win shares for Javon Carter. Uh, oh, that's a uh, defensive blocks. defensive win shares for Kobo. Uh, Defensive box plus minus was negative 2.2 for Kobo. Negative 0.1 for Carter. Um, He's definitely better at defense. 
Giants. That's not a yeah. question. And I, it's really hard to say because he played 39 games. Very, very small sample size. Yeah, he but, played a lot more in the G League. Carter did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just we're conditioned as Suns fans whenever we sign someone to maybe have expectations that are a bit too high. I think that's safe to say. And as I looked at Carter's numbers, I, I'm i underwhelmed and... I think my experience with him is just watching him in college because he was a good college player. And I remember him being very strong defensively at West Virginia. But you also have to keep in mind that the system, the defensive system at West Virginia often makes guys look better than they really are. So, I don't think that he's necessarily uh, a bad defender either. Um, oh, he's. I'm not saying he's bad. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, better than they are. Like, I still think he's good, even if like that West Virginia system like helped him. Yeah. Because that West Virginia team was like, it was good with him. They were good. They were good. Um, Gonzaga beat him though. <laughs> um, I I liked that West Virginia team. I like Javon Carter. I thought it would have been cool to have drafted him, and then I got all up on Akobo, but uh. Yeah, I mean, like, he's still good. I think he's a good defender. I think that so the three-point percentage could have been a thing where it's just getting accustomed to and he didn't get the minutes in the NBA until later on to really bump that up. I do think that Okobo has way more um, potential as an, offensive, as an offensive focal point, and Javon Carter is probably more likely to be a 3 and D point guard. And he's not he's not going to improve really that much. It, and like a 3 and D point guard is not bad when you have Devin Booker and guys that are kind of combo guards. So like that's not a knock saying that like a 3 and D point guard is bad or anything. I just that's what I would expect more of from Carter uh, when he does get minutes and if Tyler Johnson and Booker don't get many minutes at one at the one and it's really uh they're playing mostly the two then we could see Javon Carter a lot before Ty Jerome gets thrown in or Kobo get thrown in yeah that's good stuff and you know what the one one thing this is making me think of the most Hyped up, intense training camp matchup. Probably going to be Okobo and Carter if they if they're both still on the roster heading into training camp. Yeah, yeah, it probably will be. Those are the guys with the spots on the line, compared to everybody else. Uh, some guys will be like Ubre and Bridges are technically du- duking it out for the starting spot, but those guys are fighting for a roster spot. So right. It's it's really nice to be able to say that our most intense training camp battle is for our third point guard spot and not for starting power forward. <laughs> yeah, or flip a coin and pick a starting point guard. Right. What's Mike James's number? Can we get him back? Oh my gosh. It's 55. That's his Gla- Glasses three days straight. <laughs> three days straight, yeah. Yeah, boy. We need it back. Bring him back. Yeah, we we could definitely use a one, two, three, four, five, a sixth point guard on the roster. Let's bring back <laughs> Mike James. Bring him back to start. Right. <clears throat> and the fifth point guard on the roster. Let's talk about him a little bit. Jalen LeCue. Still don't know a ton about this guy. We got to see him play at Summer League for a few games. He got some decent minutes there. We got to see what he can do and uh, this guy might actually make me watch some G League games this year. I might have to make the drive up north and go check out a Northern Arizona Suns game. We've only been saying it for three years, but we went to one within we to... three years. Or no, or no, that was the training. No. That was a scrimmage, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just. Yeah, at you're right. There I've never been to it. I've never been to one. You're right. <laughs> But no, that I mean, that would be fun. I feel like he, I, the G League is designed for him. It's it's exactly what you want 
for a G League player, really athletic, uh, will take a million shots and will try and dunk. Yep. That's what you want. And isn't this a nice option? The way that he... I'm still foggy on the way that he actually became draft eligible. I'm not sure exactly how that worked. It's so confusing. Did he take an extra year in high school or something? Yeah. yeah. It's something like that. He took an extra year in high school. I still don't understand how that allows him to go, okay, so you were a super senior, so you get to go to the NBA now? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't understand how that worked out, but it feels like it should be a blueprint for kids who don't want to go to college rather than going to New Zealand or wherever this whatever China league that is. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just think that this might be your best route and you get to stay in the country. <laughs> you're well, not going to get shipped off somewhere and forgotten about. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be here. I don't know. I, I feel like it's a good route. But look at Emmanuel Moutier. It works so well for him. I'm gonna say yeah, he's that it up. consider that considering two of the main guys that have done this high school thing are Thon Maker and Jalen Lequeux, this is not <laughs> really a like valuable thing to do. No, but I think it's you're right. You should definitely go to college. Absolutely. <laughs> Even if it's one and done from there, that's probably better than doing this. But you if you're experience. gonna do it. I think you should try to get on a G League squad somehow rather than uh, go play overseas somewhere, especially in your first year before you you even had a chance to play. That's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, he at least gets to be around the team. That's pretty valuable experience for a kid his age, just being around NBA-level guys, like for summer league. Well, I don't know. I guess... Like, hanging out with them. I don't even mean playing with them. Like, you know, just being able to pick their brains. I guess that's good. Right, and just knowing what you're really getting into and the lifestyle that it is. Like, yeah, you are you have a good chance that you'll be rolling in cash someday, but you got to put the work in, you got to eat right, blah, 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 all that yeah, stuff. They get yeah. to witness that. That's, that's cool. Well, considering yeah. how ugly his jump shot is, I don't think he listens to criticism very much. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> wow but yeah wow. that is true that's pretty pretty janky which uh, foreign team is he gonna try and get onto and then not actually get onto in three years i don't know just just follow big sauce <laughs> yeah oh my gosh is well, he back in china now or did he sign in some obscure country i can't remember i don't know i have not followed him I pretty much only care about the NBA. I like the Olympics sometimes, too. Wow. Maybe after, like, five years of this podcast, we'll check back in at everybody who's played for the Suns, and we'll just see what uh, random European country they're living in playing professional basketball in. So, be so next year? Yeah. The four-year oh, anniversary of the pod is months away. Oh, boy. Less than yep. six months. Yeah. Are, are we going to buy a it's cake this time? Less than... or are you gonna ba- <laughs> I'll order, a, I'll order a professionally made cake. Nice. I'm ready oh, for that. Yeah. Oh, you, you have a little connection with that. I do you? have a connection. With oh. That. Yeah. Uh-huh. Shout right. out La Katrina Artisan Cakes. But Boom. that... Gets us into our non-sports section pretty well. Uh, Before we start that, quick update on the plan, because we're five weeks away from the season starting. Uh, Preseason, that is. But it's a short preseason. So, if we look at the calendar, we will be taking next week off. So sorry, but you can listen to the position breakdowns and get all caught up on that. We will be figuring out some topic that'll be fun we'll probably tweet about it to uh get some input on what we should talk about then we will be doing our sons preview like we do every year where we talk about who's going to start do the scoring predictions who's going to lead the team in points rebounds assists all of that we'll be doing that then we will do our all nba predictions where we make playoff predictions mvp predictions all of that like we do every year 
And then the week after that, so getting into the first week of October, uh, or the second week, I should say, we will be previewing preseason games. So it's right around the corner. So we'll talk about the preseason, we'll talk about training camp, and then October is when we get regular season games. So, Woo. yeah, we're getting there. The off season. It's, it's a short off season, but it always feels too long. September tends to be a rough month, but luckily we have football starting up to kind of keep us busy for a little bit. But we are recording this on Labor Day, so our non-sports question is, what is the most laborious task you've ever completed? That's a tough one, Mitch. Yeah, I know. Gotta make you think sometimes. It's not all about Pokemon and food. And no, it's it's all is, about Pokemon and food. Is gelato <laughs> ice cream or whatever. Check our Twitter. It's all about Pokemon. <laughs> uh, for anyone listening who doesn't like Pokemon... Um, I wish you all could have seen the look of disgust on my face when I saw Mitch's tweet. He he's whoring out our social media for, for Pokemon Go friends, the, the tweet, and I don't know if I'm the tweet okay is with still that. open. If you want to uh, add your friend code, tweet it at Sunny and PHX Pod. Do you land any new friends from no, that? No, still no. Oh, maybe you're advertising to the wrong market. Yeah, probably, but <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Uh, just pick a difficult thing you've done (laughs) okay okay i got one so this was uh right when i started working for the family business i was i was a young teenager and i remember there wasn't going on not much was going on at the shop it was pretty slow uh and i my dad probably saw me sitting there collecting a paycheck and got upset so he drove me over to the side yard, and there was a trailer full of dirt there. And he said, you're going to need to unload this trailer of dirt. And I said, okay, where's the, the bobcat, the skid loader? He says, you're not using the skid loader, you're doing this by hand. So I shoveled a trailer full of dirt about 10 feet over and created another pile of dirt. And I don't think that dirt ever did anything. I think it got loaded back into the trailer and taken wherever the plan was. I think I just had to do it for uh, just to make my dad happy and to just get some, just, you know, just for, it's for the kids. You got to make them work. It builds character. Building some character. I think that's what it was all about. But I remember I was just dogging it by the end of that. And yeah. Learned a bit of a lesson along the way, so in the end it wasn't too bad, but I remember being spent by the time I was done with that. Alright. That's a good one. David? Um, I'm trying to think. Things that I've just felt exhausted and wanted to sleep after. Uh, when I first started working at uh, the local radio station, which was... Uh, Way before the podcast started, there was a thing where I had to dig out like these little ditches for ground wire, ground cabling for this radio tower, and like I had to find where like this like so specific spot was, dig into it, lay this wire out, like ground it to like this power box, and like like uh like quick solder it that was pretty awful that was pretty that sounds like a job for an electrician not a radio station employee i worked in it but i know you're handy with that it was all of that that, stuff i had to do that kind of stuff uh yeah you you were the radio station (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was the radio station but uh yeah i did a i know a lot of like random electrical stuff and i've done like like electrical wiring and all that kind of stuff and it's awful yeah so, that stuff is scary too it's kind of dangerous so yeah probably like one of those things or one of the things yeah. where you're like crawling in a ceiling and it's yeah. 100 degrees outside that's a good one mine is uh a few years back when i was living in iowa long time listeners will remember that probably maybe i don't know 
I try to forget about it, but I lived in <laughs> Iowa and I moved across the state at one point and I said, you know what? I'm not using a moving company. I can do this. I drive a truck. I can do it. I moved, I moved by myself. It took me three separate trips and I remember being completely exhausted every single time. And it was cold. It was the end of December and the beginning of January when I did it. And I remember it was cold and icy and it's pretty tough to carry a mattress when it's icy and you can't really yeah. get your footing. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, it, by that, I mean, it wasn't fun at all and it was really difficult and moving companies are helpful. Oh yeah. There was one time I didn't use a moving company and that was the first, when I moved down to Arizona for the first time we got, we put everything in one of those pods oh. and they, they just send the pod and unloading that me and my wife trying to unload that and we were new to the heat too oh oh spent after that yeah i gotta say as someone who has really only been in cold stuff for a limited amount of time uh is the working in 110 plus degree out in the sun for eight hours worse or is it the like it's ice cold it's dark you're like trying to move stuff or trying to do something for an extended period of time like they both sound awful if, they're both sound awful the sun's different worse. kinds of awful the sun's worse because sun's if it's difference. freezing cold and you're working you'll be fine if you're yeah. keeping your body temperature up you the cold doesn't bother you once you get busy doing something like that but when it's 110 and you have to be outside for numerous hours in a row that like you can just feel it drain out of you you can always put more clothes on right but you can't work naked words to live by <laughs> yeah that sounds like an ancient <laughs> proverb <laughs> right. all right as we finish dropping some wisdom on you guys we thank you for tuning into this episode like we said we're taking the week off next week so no episode but after that, we'll be doing our Suns season preview, our NBA season preview, and by then we'll be about ready for some real basketball. So we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you in two weeks. Go Suns! <laughs>